0: I'm Agnieszka Wood, and on today's show, I'm very excited to introduce my very special guest, Gary Portugal. Gary has been a professional trader for 35 years, and now he's still trading, mostly on a swing basis, and also managing his investments. I asked Gary to join us today to discuss his point of view on the topic that most traders are wondering about all the time. Will I ever make it? Welcome to episode number three, trading for a living. Hi, Gary, and welcome to my podcast. Thank
1: you so much, I Agnieszka, mean, I that I pronounced that right. Yes, I think I did. Yes,
0: uh, you absolutely did. Wonderful.
1: The first attempt. Wow.
0: Yeah, you're very good at it. <laughs> Gary, you started in 1983 as a commodity and foreign exchange trader in New York, Yes. worked all the way up to become a head of European monetary system currency trading desk in London, Yes. and finally became a wealth management consultant, not long before you decided not to work for anyone else and trade for yourself. That's pretty much the dream of most traders, right? To quit their job and trade for a living.
1: Absolutely right. To be able to pick and choose when you work. and
0: Exactly. How to spend your time, right? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Tell me, with all your professional experience in trading, I'm sure you were able to make consistent profit long before you actually started for yourself. What made you wait? How come you didn't make that decision to start trading for yourself years earlier?
1: I think, to be fair, most of my career was spent market making and then as part of As part of the market-making, I I could indeed take some proprietary risk, but it was a certain amount of income that I was able to to generate from market-making, and then I could leverage some of that to take proprietary trading risk as well. And then as markets, particularly, say, from 2000 onwards, and even more so from the financial crisis onwards, FX markets and I think all all asset markets, Became increasingly automated and electronic, and it it became more difficult to compete basically as a market maker, Mm -hmm. foreign exchange in in particular. And it became clear to me that I would have to probably rely less on market making income and more on taking proprietary risk. And then I just reached a point where, as we said off air before, I felt like I'd have a better chance of making money if i could trade more selectively um as opposed to necessarily trading every hour of every day if i could pick and choose my moments and then maybe take more risk in those instances even if it meant doing nothing for two or three days after that but i'd have a better chance of of succeeding and i think also i reached a conclusion that i was more likely to succeed taking risk myself if i was doing it rather than day trading more of a on a swing trading basis. In other words, seeing if I could pick out a trend that I felt might last a week, two weeks, maybe even a you know a month, mainly a foreign exchange, but also you know, equity markets, interest rate markets, right. and commodities. But the key was trying to see if I could envision a move that would happen over time and, and capture, not necessarily all of that, but at least a reasonable. Chunk of that, as opposed to just trying to day trade every day, and I just felt like the best way for me to do that and trade sensibly, rationally was just you know trading my own money. I mean, it's scary in a way, in that if you know, if you lose, it's you know it's your capital, it's not yes. your employer's capital. But the upside is. You know, you really do trade as and when you think it makes sense to trade and not just because, oh, God, I've got to meet my costs. You know, I've got to pay for these computers that I've rented. Exactly. I've got to to pay for my brokerage and for my charting service. And so that's basically how I ended up, you know, in this doing what I'm doing now. And it's to be fair, it's been a transition. You know, it means in some ways it's a lot, and I still love the markets, but in some ways it's a lot less exciting than it was. You know, being on a market, making best, where you're literally in and out of the market all the time, and where you felt there was necessarily, you know, there might have been opportunity every day. This is different. I'm where I have to say, okay, there may be a handful of times during the week where I have a really strong feeling about where the market's going to go. And not only that, but I think that the move is going to be meaningful so I can really get something out of it. That's um, so all-
0: interesting. So it's actually you, you, you sort of, you're trading less than when you much
1: were. less. I mean, the biggest difference is the frequency is is way less, and that is that has been so difficult to adapt to. It's taken me time, and you know, I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm still, I'm still adapting because part of me will never totally let go <laughs> of what it was like, you know, to be active. It was look, it was fun. It was, you know, yeah, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, but. This is this is totally different. It's not market making, and it's not even short term proprietary. You really, you know, have to be taking somewhat of a view, you know, well beyond just the next twenty four hours. I'm not saying that there isn't scope for you know for some short term trading. Of course there. But I think on balance, you're going to make more if you you know you're looking to capture bigger moves and and not necessarily doing the micromanaging that you do on a market making desk or elsewhere
0: yeah I, I can uh, compare to when when I day trade you know when I evaluate and look back at the bigger picture of you know the moment in time that I trade a, a momentum stock and then I look at the bigger move it, it's just so revealing like how much you can make yourself you know emotional and crazy about this little move on I don't know five minute or one minute chart well in a bigger picture, you think if I would just get in here and stay for a few days, I would not lose all my emotional capital and I would have much more money,
1: <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you hit on, I and mean, that's a great phrase, emotional capital, which I think is overlooked. Yes, obviously we all do this, you know, to, to make money. We want to be profitable doing it, but there is there is emotional capital that you expend as well. And you have to make sure that that's being used wisely, that you're not just burning yourself out or spinning your wheels and the, the biggest reward i don't think i mean obviously there, there are exceptions but generally speaking i don't think that the biggest reward is going to come by being able to predict the next hour's move the next five minutes i mean you can drive yourself crazy doing that unless you're doing that in very significant size i'm not sure that it's going to really be that productive anyway true whereas if you're you know if you see a bigger move in whatever it is, whether it's Tesla, whether it's a currency or, or whatever, and you're not rushing yourself to, to make the money within 24 hours and saying, oh, the p l has to be made by Tuesday morning. If there isn't that sort of time limit on it, I think you have a greater chance of success. In other words, because the move doesn't happen immediately, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. That's right. And because it hasn't happened by the end of the trading day doesn't mean that you should take the risk off either. And so yes, I mean that that's kind of the place I got to eventually that literally trading less frequently was much more productive. And then trying to couple that with when I have, you know, less frequently, meaning when I really have strong conviction. Mm -hmm. And then backing myself, trying to back myself accordingly instead of just trading. Like the, what the normal size might be, if I have like an idea or hunch or whatever, actually trading over and above that a bit more because I really have a high confidence level and because I know that I've been disciplined and stayed away from a lot of what I would call the garbage trades. If you stay away from the junk, you know, then you have more both um, actual capital and emotional capital to invest when it counts, and I think you almost feel psychologically entitled to say, you know what. I've you know I've been been good. I haven't wasted it on on junky trades. I'm patient. This is what I've been looking for. And This is I'm, I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. You know if it you know if it doesn't work, you know that's okay. You're allowed to get it wrong. You're allowed to get out a mistake. if you to Make a mistake because if you take t- if you have ten trades, provided that the risk reward ratio, which you haven't really. Like, gotten into yet here but provided the risk reward ratio is good enough i mean my, it's not easy but my preference is, is to look for three to one all
0: right you know if you
1: if you're looking to make three times what you're risking it's really an incredible figure if you do the math you can actually be wrong 70 percent of the time yes and still make money so it's not in my opinion it's not about being right like All the time. Of course, we all want to be right as often as we can, but that's not the requirement.
0: Yeah, and that's what actually stands us in a way, right? (laughs) Trying to be right all the time.
1: Exactly. And and I think this is where you know you get into or one can can get into trouble. Whereas if you're trading less frequently, and then if you know, if, if you're really focusing on those higher quality trades, where hopefully you are going to be making three times what you're risking, I just think you're in a you're in a much better place. I think the difficulty that a lot of people have with that is that if they feel that they're sitting, if they're sitting on their hands, they might feel like they're doing nothing. They're not being productive. Exactly. You know, like, the doing thing, right? Market? I can't make money if I'm not, in the, you know, if I'm not in the market.
0: Yes. And it, this is exactly, you're hitting on the points that I, they might seem so obvious, right? But they still are so deep in our belief system, how we achieve success, how we make money, like we have to do something.
1: Exactly, those words, you have to do something.
0: Yes, hard work means more money, but in trading is the exact opposite. I like to compare it to fishing. If you go fishing, you just sit there and wait for the fish to come to you. You're not jumping into the water, running behind the fish, right? and you'd have no guarantee and no idea if you're actually gonna catch something. But once you catch something, then you take action, right? So what I wanted to ask you from a professional trader point of view, right? Do you think it is realistic to think that trading for a living is actually possible for regular people, like, you know, retail traders, or is it just a dream? Like if you you look from the perspective, like you worked professionally so many years, are, are retail traders being seen as like what? What are you trying to do?
1: I think the way I would describe it is I think it's I think it is possible, but I think that it's only possible if you're prepared to, quit, to take quite a bit on on board in terms of discipline, in terms of preparation that you need to do. If you if you're prepared to take on things like mindset, and I would argue that. A lot of people aren't prepared to do that that extra work. That to me is the real work,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: being able to maybe sit in front of a screen and, and read and learn, do some research, you know, put some thoughts together, actually not trade. I think to make money, a lot of what you have to do is it can sometimes be very unsexy. But I think it's not going to be for it's it's not going to be for some people because of that. In other words, for anyone who thinks that the route to to doing this profitably is like, as you suggested, just trading constantly and equating trading constantly with working hard, right? that's not the case. And I think that that there are a lot of people who will fall or fit into that category. So um, realistically speaking, I would say probably – you know, for the majority of people, it's not realistic. And when I say majority, I'm not saying that 90% of the people are going to fail. I don't I don't think it's that. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know what the statistics are about spreading platforms and how many people lose money. But yes, um, maybe a more positive way of phrasing it is that, you know, if you are prepared to have a process and work on improving that process and operate with discipline, both maybe in trading and other aspects of your life, that that's not going to guarantee you success, but that's going to, that's going to um, increase the likelihood of success. And then getting back to what we said before is the element of time. In other words, if you have time on your side, if you're able to allocate a period of even years to get good enough, um, then I think it can work. The issue is that for many people, that, that isn't realistic. They need income now. They can't just give up their day job and then say, okay, I'm going to spend the next three years you know, barely, earn, barely covering my costs. They have to live, they have to eat. And that's why I think for a lot of people, it may not be realistic. You know, if you can do it in the beginning such that it's a supplement to your income rather than maybe being um, wholly dependent on it, I think that increases your odds of success. But I mean, I don't think there's any quick route And that's the other thing um anybody entering this if if they're looking for a quick route it's not going to happen unless you have tremendous natural talent and of course there are people like that i think they're the exception
0: it happens right a little bit of luck a little bit of talent sometimes it happens but i think the success doesn't lay in 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 the you know the first lucky trades or the first money you make it's it's really in keeping that money
1: Absolutely right. I think if you're if you're willing to invest in a process, of some sort, and that can be your own process or a process that you develop in combination with somebody, whether it's someone like yourself or someone else, that you have a better chance. Because I think success will come from from a process that's refined and improved and right. developed over time. And again, a process is not something you just read a book and say, "Right, here's my process."
0: Yeah. that's theory Just, right now you need to practice
1: which it's useful i mean it's yes. definitely useful it's definitely helpful but it's in the practice and this is this is really uh, another anecdote that i can give you i'll mention his name i don't, I don't think he might be mentioning his name oliver velez is his name who's been in markets for close to 40 years and he's all you're probably worried as all sorts of, of webinars on trading I anyway mean, he's got an expression mm-hmm. that in the beginning as crazy as this sounds, you might actually lose your way to success. And what he means by that is that, you know, you make mistakes in the beginning that are unavoidable, that are going to be made because you're not born with the knowledge of trading. You get that through experience. And obviously, as you referred to earlier, it's a case of learning from those, that you don't repeat those mistakes. But just a lot of mistakes that you're going to make in the beginning that I don't care how many books you read, you know, or webinars you watch, you're going yes. to make those mistakes. It's what you do with that knowledge. exactly. Um, and can you, you know, do you have the psychological makeup to deal with making those mistakes and then move on from them? And I think for a lot of people, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think, to be fair, I think for anybody, it's tough, but some people are better at in dealing with that than others and those who can learn from mistakes and not let themselves get too discouraged by them and not repeat them have a better chance in the end of what's
0: repeating totally i think it's really the matter of taking things very personally and you know that has to do again with with experiences that people have and that they are getting triggered on a deeper level because a lot of times what i see is that mistakes instead of being taken as feedback and a, and a way to adjust the course are being taken as failures and a way to cut your confidence and if you don't have confidence your commitment is gonna also get less yeah and uh without commitment you're gonna question everything and then this whole process just collapses
1: i think as well i uh, the The element of ego is important, and that you know, but this you'll you'll see this often that people mention this dealing with trade of psychology. That when we go to school, we're trained to be right, we're trained to get it right, you know, 90 to 100 percent of the time. So, entering a, a field where actually that's not necessary, it's okay. So you can be wrong half the time, or even if you're, you might even be able to get away with being wrong more than half the time. That goes against the grain. I think people, you know, it hurts their egos. They'll say, like, how can I have gotten that wrong? How can I get it wrong three straight times? What's right. wrong? You know, why did this not happen in my previous line of work or my previous job or in school? I was always a top student. And, you know, markets are different. It's not just about the percentage of times that you're right obviously that helps, but that's not the only element. I think a lot of times people's egos can get in the way. And so I don't want to do this because, you know, I can't handle being wrong. I can't handle how it makes me feel being wrong. Exactly. What being wrong, what that feeling does to me. You know, and I suppose it takes an element of humility as well to be able to say, yeah, you know what, I do get it wrong. In fact, I get it wrong often, but I'm willing to recognize that quickly and not let it build up investor.
0: Yeah, and don't don't make drama out of it because it is, it's a matter of focus, right? You're, you're wrong many times, but it is not about being wrong. So why putting so much focus on it? The moment that you start pu- putting focus on being wrong, now you're only fighting to be right. So, and, and that brings a lot of traders into trouble. Like if you take a wrong decision and start fighting the market, now you're really wrong. All right, so uh, let's talk about uh, your trading journey. Did you go through the same struggles that every retail trader goes through as a professional trader when you started? Or do those journeys differ, you think?
1: I think to a certain extent I, I did. I think anybody who starts out in trading, whether it's working for a, a bank or a fund or working, yeah, you know, or just trading as a, on a retail basis, certain amount of tuition that you like, if you like, that you you pay just through inexperience. I think by virtue of of doing it, you know, through an employer, there were people who I could speak to who were more experienced than I was, you know, who I could learn from. And that, you know, that ultimately made it a lot easier. Uh, And sometimes I could learn from other people's mistakes as well. In other words, like I was able to in different environments to see, you know, not only what people did that was positive, but also what people did that was negative, and learn, you know, what to avoid. And, and that was that was very much a, a process, and it never ends. By the way, I mean, in my opinion, it's that's an ongoing process. And I think when I switched to to just doing it on my own completely, there was a, a little bit of backpedaling. I mean, I have to almost sort of like review and then sort of like almost view myself from the outside and say, okay, I don't have somebody that I can, let's say, necessarily bounce ideas off of or, or talk to about this. Yeah, What am I doing here that's working? What isn't working? Why? What habits need to be improved or what habits need to be eliminated? And it is different when you're doing it on your own. And I think it can be, for retail trader, it can be scary. First of all, you have to have the the willingness to want to look at yourself in that way. And, and that's, some people might not want to do that. You know, they might not want to have to be self-critical.
0: Yes. Especially if you're starting and you're not entirely even sure how to do it, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly right. And um which, you know, that's that's an argument for if you're new, completely new to this, to, to seeking out some sort of guidance. And then it's an issue of finding somebody that you can trust. Yeah. you know, to to work with. I mean, I do feel that ultimately as a trader, whether you're working as a retail trader or whether you're working in a fund or a bank, it, all, it ultimately has to be your own. In other words, you ultimately have to come up with your process, your methodology. You know, you can get um, people's opinions, you can get the feedback, but you can't just be executing someone else's process or someone else's methodology, you know, you can take on board suggestions that they make, but you ultimately have to make it yours. What am I, how does this work for me? Do I really believe in this, or am I just doing it because someone else says I should do it? Am I buying this because a very experienced professional who seems to always getting it right is buying it, or am I buying it because I really believe that it's going up?
0: yeah and i think that's pretty difficult to make that uh, judgment especially you know when you're not sure if, if what you're doing is is right because you're you're not making money yet right and the second point that you have touched upon to let someone else look at your process what you came up with that requires vulnerability because that is pretty much absent in the market because all you see is all the money that people all the money that traders make right there's not many people really showing hey i made a mistake and this is what i've learned from it so you you kind of keep it to yourself and hope that one day maybe you'll get it
1: FOMO, i think can is probably the biggest the biggest obstacle and leads to the sort of Negative thought processes um that also might make you less receptive to, you know, having somebody examine your process and say, you know, you need to be doing this better, you need to be doing that better. This is, as you mentioned, you, you know, you're looking you say oh God, all these other people seem to be making money, so you know, how come I'm not? Or you know, what yeah. do I need to do to like make that happen? As opposed to like taking a look at the process first and then refining that to a point that puts you in a much better position to make money more consistently.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And have you ever questioned yourself as a trader and in the professional trading world, like what is the success? Because obviously for a retail trader, like as long as I make money and, and I'm consistent with that, you know, so I, I have some profit at the end of the month. And usually people have some kind of an amount in their head, right? That's. That's success. What what is that in a professional trading world?
1: I think two things. I would say long, longevity is one. You know, if you're able to do it over a sustained period of time, I think that's a, a measure of success. Perhaps as much or even more than the absolute amount you know that you make. And then I think another measure of success is. Are you getting incrementally better over time? And I don't necessarily mean like today versus yesterday. I'm thinking more, you know, year over year, or you know, right. can you actually see real progress over a three to five year period com- you know, compared to the the way, you know, the way you were before before? And you know, I there are many times where I have um questioned myself over you know, over the length of time that I've been in the business probably less so in the early to mid years where I was very heavily involved in in market making and where markets were less were, were less electronic as markets became more automated and it became you're more in competition with computers in a way it's a, to try to react to news and act mm-hmm. on it it became a bit harder yeah I think there was there was there were more occasions where I might question my, myself like, can I still do this uh, do I have do I still have you know what it takes or uh, to you know to carry on doing this and that's where you need the benefit of time to be able to kind of evaluate your process and say okay think something needs to be improved here I can't just keep doing what I was doing before because the regime has changed and to try to do that without like being angry about the fact that the regime has changed Kind of like with mobile phones, you know, when we went to from rotary phones to mobile phones, you know, that it was never any going back. And, and technology is the same in markets. We, we, we were never going to go back right. the way markets were before they were became fully electronic. And market structure has changed. So that requires changing with it. And it's still changing. You know, uh, but, it won't I mean, be
0: changing faster as we as we we talked about yeah, it. It's exactly. just changing faster and faster.
1: Exactly. Right? I mean, and you know, the algorithms get, get better and better and faster and faster. So, you know, ways of doing things um that were successful 10, 20 years ago may not be succe- you know, successful now. So yeah, getting back to your original question, I think longevity is a is a measure of success and and your ability to learn from mistakes. How good are you at it, sort of recognizing that something needs to be changed and then implementing that that change?
0: And I hear you a lot of saying process. So going back to the process, even when you question your yourself and your confidence about yourself, it's going back to the process. It's not questioning yourself as a person. It's how can I do it better? What can I do better?
1: I think process is everything. I actually think that to, not to the full extent, but I think to a certain extent, I think process determines outcome.
0: Yes, assuming you can follow it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) So for everyone who is listening, I really want you to take those words from Gary very deeply to your heart, because a lot of times what I hear from traders is frustration and a lot of high expectations of the progress. So if things are not changing or not progressing, Fast enough, and I'm really talking about going from zero to hero in, let's say, three months, which is a long term. A lot of times, it's a month or you know matter of weeks. You're getting frustrated. As a professional trader, you're talking about improvement over the years. So
1: this is it over a period of years, yeah, of weeks or months, and. I mean, I haven't really mentioned it so far in this conversation today, but I think something else is to try to accumulate little things that give you some sort of an edge, you know, whether it's information, whether it's your physical fitness, you know, whether it's your diet and it just to accumulate bits and pieces, you know, just even as simple as being able to identify sort of what podcasts or what webinars you think are really good and and what ones aren't so good. Yeah. my performance as opposed to what is not you know it's not just about okay trading a head and shoulders pattern isn't working for me i mean all right that's, that's part of it but process is a lot more than just which chart patterns you you know you use and all that process encompasses so many things
0: yes i i always think that and, and that's what i teach uh, my students We we look at the the whole lifestyle as holistically basically i'm saying trading for a living is a lifestyle It's, it's not a job yes it's a business to trade for a living but it's a lifestyle and every single element of that lifestyle has to support that performance it's just like being a professional athlete right
1: i totally agree on that
0: it's not just going to a gym for two hours a day it's like everything around it has to support those you know, pretty much few minutes maybe when you are in the trade, because obviously you're not going to be hitting. I mean, some people do hitting buttons all the time, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Buy and sell. But it is really picking those moments where you know, OK, now I'm absolutely focused and convinced to to put everything 150% into that trade. And, you know, just like an Olympics, you train the whole year and then you have the moment of your performance pretty much
1: accumulating like positives or things that can help your performance. And, you know, they can come from all different areas.
0: Totally. You're saying that when you work for yourself, it is easier to stop. But actually, what I see from traders who are still struggling, it is the opposite, right? Because the moment that they step over to, I have to make money trading, they think they have to be there all the time, because otherwise, How are they going to make money? And that detachment is so difficult, but it actually brings them to the attitude of being desperate. And that is never a good advisor in trading to be desperate.
1: I I completely agree with you. And I think that there's definitely a distinction between, say, literally trading to pay the bills because that is effectively your full-time job, as opposed to trading as not necessarily as a hobby, but as sort of a supplement to your income or you know, they're t- they're two very different things, and you know different levels of pressure. and I agree with you that if you're trading out of sort of necessity to pay that bill, it affects your judgment and can' affect your judgment. And that's something to take into account when you consider if if you want to do this
0: exactly. You know, do
1: you do you have the capacity to to wait it out, in other words, while you learn your trade? In other words, it could take you a year or two, maybe even longer before you're making what I would call meaningful money on your own. And are you in a place to be able to afford doing that and without getting discouraged? Um, Because if you're not in a a position to do that, then you are going to be making very pressurized decisions and probably not the best decisions. And I think you have to be honest with yourself as to what you can afford. You know, do you have the, the capacity to take the time to learn how to do this properly? Or maybe you don't, and maybe you have to accept that I'm gonna do a job to provide me an income, and then maybe I'll trade as a supplement to that, but not rely on it to pay my bills until I demonstrate that I'm good enough to do that.
0: Yes. But, and I remember that when I started um and I've read the book, I think it was um Trading in a zone. Um, yes. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. That's <laughs> that said. You need a two years of income, and everyone was saying that too. You you just need about two years for you know savings, just to be sure that you can actually trade for a living, so you don't have that pressure. And I thought that would be different. I'm like two years. This is not going to take me two years. Absolutely, it did. <laughs> It absolutely did.
1: <laughs> well it's interesting because I've you know, I've actually come across people um in the market, including some experienced professionals who've been in the markets for, you know, as long as I have been longer. I mean, one person that I've come across has he's claimed that it took him actually five to six years, you know, before he he got to a point where he felt really, really comfortable with what he was doing. And you Know he's since the next thirty five years have been very productive. So okay, yes, he was relatively young when he began the journey. And maybe when you're, you know, 23, 24, 25, it's a bit easier mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'll take that kind of time because you don't have, necessarily have children to support and all that. But yeah, the point was he, he had that time and he utilized it and he benefited from it. But I mean, routine, routinely, I've never heard anybody say that oh, this is something that they just get within expense i mean of course there are exceptions maybe people who just have a, a fantastic natural talent but i think for most people it you know it's time that has to be invested and not just like passing an exam or taking a course or whatever it's um observation experimentation
0: yeah and you know you improving too
1: seeing what and what doesn't work
0: exactly because if you do if you keep you know you can take 10 years and but if you keep doing the same things that don't work maybe it will take you 20
1: right this is it i I think i mean what you hit upon is is i think it's a major piece of the whole puzzle which is identifying what's not working but not only identifying it accepting that it's not working i think um it's difficult for people to do that myself included when you Use strategies before that historically have worked, and then you encounter conditions that have changed that make the strategy less useful. It's difficult because I think human nature would be okay, I'll wait, I'll stick with the strategy, I'll just wait because eventually the market will return to what was before. But that's dangerous because sometimes you know, Sometimes conditions never return to what they were. I mean, an example is now. I mean, we may never see zero interest rates again. I mean, we're right. in a, you know, we're in a very different environment than we were pre-pandemic or even a year ago and you know, volatility regimes can change and if you're not willing to accept that, I think you're really really setting yourself up for, you know, for obstacles um yeah. because not only you're not going to make money then you're going to draw down and it becomes even harder because then you've got to recover just to get back to, to break even again before you can start money again. And right. But probably, I think it's easier for people to accept that something's not working if they can identify why. If they can say, okay, the strategy isn't working because I'm trading breakouts when the VIX is trading between a range of 18 to 22. And you know the chart suggests that when certain levels break, the market should follow through and continue. And fundamentals back my view, but if we're in a very low volatility room uh, regime, you you know you may have a lot of false breakouts. You know you may have a lot of situations where I mean I think you can say we just have one in the stock market recently. We began the year very strong, even though there were problems. But we could all identify, not just the Ukraine, but just the inflation. There were issues. Yet the market kept rising and looked strong. And it was difficult because you'd say, okay, fundamentals aren't great. Price action is positive. But the feeling
0: wasn't uh, there, right? The conviction. exactly.
1: Exactly. The conviction wasn't there. And I think part of it as well was that we have been in a low volatility regime prior to the last two days. And that was also going to work against the upside breakout. It's difficult for markets to really race either higher or lower, you know, if the vix is is that low. Um then you have to ask yourself, okay, what am I going to do? am i am I going to keep trading? you know, breakout strategies in this environment? I think the answer to that is probably not necessarily a straight yes or no, but I think the answer to that is probably, Maybe I'll trade breakouts sometimes, but less often. I'll be more selective in my criteria. Lower my expectations about how far you know. I think the market can go. In other words, make changes either to your strategy or the expectations around the strategy or both. But you know, if you reach a point where it's continuously not working, then I think you have to accept that and say, I'm not going to do this anymore.
0: Yeah, having that flexibility to pivot. Right, and, and adjust and be flexible.
1: I'll give you a great example of that. It's something that I've experienced in recent years, and it's been going on for recent years. I would say over the time that I've been in the business, historically, when you had a major technical breakout, and then you had a retracement to the original breakout level, this is, let's say, in the 1980s, 1990s, maybe even the 2000s, that return of the breakout level, ritual breakout level, would often be an opportunity. It would be an opportunity to like, add to the position right. again, like you took some off, you could say, okay, I'm going to put it back on. And you wouldn't hesitate to do that. You just say, wow, this is a, thank God for this. What you know, How wonderful. And you would never think that, oh, you know, actually it's not an opportunity. It might mean that the breakout was false. And because for, for many years, you got continuation, you know, before markets became more mature and more sophisticated and more automated, if you like, then you know all of a sudden trend, trend following over time became not such a guaranteed strategy. And I think, especially, let's say in the last three to five years, you know, where you've had monetary policies so you know really, really dominant over markets, you see this a lot. Where if a market breaks out. And then retraces. Most of the time, I don't want to re-enter. If it actually returns to the original breakout level, these days, I'm not saying that I'll never re-enter the trade, but I would say seven or eight times out of ten, I'll say, "Hang on a minute, there's a reason right. why the market's not following through, why it's not continuing." And an example of that when we broke above, say, four thousand in the S and P, uh, whatever it was, in January, or February, it initially did well, went close to forty-two hundred. I said to myself, if we get back down to 4,000, I'm not gonna be so quick to buy that dip because I've seen this time and time again in recent years. And lo and below, what's happened? You know, we've now gone well below 4,000, below 3,900. And I'm not saying that the market is gonna like, crash. And what I'm saying is not even in response to what happened to SVB, but just an observation that it wasn't working for me in recent years. Buying the retracement, so I stopped. I don't do it unless I have a really good reason. You know, if the market retraces to the breakout level and there's something going on in a related market or a piece of news that supports the trade, then I'll consider it. But I'm not robotically doing it as I would have twenty or thirty years ago. Yeah, and it's a big change, and it's yeah. disappointing in a way.
0: Of course, it is because you, it's not you know it's not predictable and you cannot assume things. But I think this is the part of trading that is so important to, to realize that it's all about responsibility, right? Your ability to respond to what is happening, not just kind of go on an automatic pilot because there is always something different and you you just cannot keep assuming things. You're making your thesis, but you have to acknowledge that you might be wrong. It's just like with life. Instead of living on the automatic pilot, just experience what is actually happening and respond to that, right? instead of reacting to that
1: absolutely i think it was easier say decades ago to like formulate a strong thesis and just kind of stick with that and and milk that and hope that it would persist for a number of weeks or maybe longer but you know if you look at what goes on in markets even before the pandemic but certainly since the pandemic the narratives can change so quickly Right. You know, sometimes in, what, 24 hours, 48 hours. So if you're looking for a sustainable trend, sometimes that's not going to be there. I mean, all right, we had one in interest rates last year with because the Fed just were relentless. But I would say more typically in the current environment, trends don't last that long. And part of this, I think, is because of technology in the sense that we, we all process information so quickly. Yeah, exactly. It takes a nanosecond to yeah. process it so it's reflected in prices quite quickly. And I think that's why when, when prices break out and then fail and return to their original breakout levels, it may be because it's it's in the price already. You know, we all have access to instant information. We don't need to wait for research reports to be physically mailed to us. We, we just click and we can read all that we want about what's going on. So I think that that changes the speed with which markets move.
0: And the character of those movements too. But I think that somewhere inside people there is this um nostalgia of hanging on to the old and things being predictable and like
1: Yes, absolutely right.
0: Attaching yourself to it. And that's what is causing the issues to to detach and to move on, to just say, okay, no, it's not like this, it's like that, right? That ability to pivot. And when you don't have as a person that agility, but the market pivots all the time, now you're not in alignment with each other, and I think that is causing a lot of issues.
1: Absolutely, right. and I think it could almost be um a more of a problem for more experienced traders in a way, where if somebody very young or new to the market doesn't have those previous ideas or the old mm. habits to cling on to. So might, he might he or she might find it a little bit easier to sort of change and adapt, whereas a more experienced person might even be resentful about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, because people don't like changes.
1: No, right. I think as well, sometimes, you know, making a pivot means, A, identifying that the, the previous thing you're doing doesn't working, and it might mean that there's a pivot gap before you find the new thing to replace the old thing. Right. But it might not be as simple as you go to sleep out with the old and wake up in with the new. It might not be that quick. You may need some time. Mm -hmm. to come up with a methodology or an approach that suits you and better suits the current regime and i think also that that might frighten people um anger people because i'm not sure sure. this wasn't supposed to be this way i'm not supposed to what do you mean i can't trade for two weeks until i figure this out and
0: right exactly like how am i going to make money
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly right yeah
0: yeah so um being a professional trader, have you ever felt it? I made it. Because we talked a lot about having success, and traders have this idea of the day that will come at some point when I made it. And I always try to bring over the message day like that doesn't exist because that would mean that once you reach it, is then you have, can relax and just not work hard anymore. And I don't think it exists in trading, but have you ever had that moment okay, I made it
1: or is there always that uncertainty? I think there's always an element of at least for me, there's always an element of uncertainty um, although there have been I think there have been times of my career when I felt like my confidence has risen and my my competence you know has risen that I've you know through experience really. Knowing when to recognize situations better and then react to those situations faster when I recognize them. But I agree with you, I've never felt reached a point where I've said, like, oh wow, I feel like I've got this figured out and that I can therefore allow myself to lower my discipline or get lazy with my process. I say this all the time. I think it it never ends. I mean, whether you're 30, 50, 70, you're doing this, that, this you know, you're always growing. There's always room for improvement. And I think it's better to look at it that way instead of saying, I want to reach a day where, you know, I can just turn on the light switch and I can say, I've made it. I mean, I think that's what you're looking for. I think you're going to be disappointed. Whereas if it's more a case of just an ongoing incremental improvement to your results and your process, you're going to be happier. And I think you're going to do better. In the end. And also accepting that you're never going to fully figure this out, never. I mean, even the best, you're never, you know, there are always going to be times when you get something dead wrong, even when you thought you had it 100%, you know, properly analyzed. And I think it requires that sort of humility as well and rationality to say that, you know, that's okay. You know, the goal isn't to be like Lewis Hamilton at right?
0: Right. And most of traders who are getting into trading is because they like challenge, because they're ambitious, yes. right? But then yes. the moment they're there and it starts to be difficult, uh this the focus switches to when is it gonna stop to be difficult.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, like can you can you just embrace the fact that it's not just gonna all of a sudden become easy? Can can you just take that on board and say, Okay, It might get a bit easier, but it's Mm -hmm. not going to become easy. And I'll tell you why it won't become easy. It won't become easy because conditions are always going to change. And I think is is part of what makes it challenging and difficult, you know, is that regimes change, conditions change. And I think now, faster than ever, you know, because of what I said before, because of the availability of, of information you know, narratives and tra- and trends are changing like at, at lightning speed compared to how they did before. So you could find yourself maybe picking some money in the early part of the week, but if you're not careful to sort of recognize a shift in the narrative in the middle of the week, or the latter part of the week, you could end up getting a lot of that money back.
0: Yes. So what do you enjoy about trading?
1: I think, I think the... Um, what you said, the fact that it's a puzzle, you know, that you're all, and you know, you're know you trying to put a lot of different pieces together and that, you know, it's not its not easy, if you like. I think that's what you said, it, mm-hmm. a challenge. It's almost like, um, it's gonna sound strange, but like, you know, with being with a, a woman who challenges you, who's complicated and not, you know, whatever. Just, yes, and I you know, love just,
0: that analogy because I always say, don't be easy. <laughs> just don't be easy, you know, be a little bit difficult. Don't, don't be desperate. Just let the market convince you, you know,
1: exactly right. In other words, that's a good way of putting it. In other words, let the market show you something that, that warrants putting, you know, putting the risk on.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: It's nice also when you're proven right. I have to admit that it's a, it is a very rewarding feeling. If you have an idea, even if it takes time to be born right. that. I guess the, probably the other thing is it, it never bores me. I've, mm-hmm. I've never, after doing this for all these years, I, I still—I never get bored of it. There's always something different. You know, the fact that there's so many things moving markets, whether it's politi- politics, economics, technicals, and I like that. You know, I feel privileged in a way that to do something that, that's, you know, that I find interesting. It's
0: like being in a relation in a honeymoon phase for always. Yes. Right?
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Frustrating at times, but on, on the whole, <laughs> that's, that's very crazy. grateful for that.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. And thank you so much, Gary, for joining us and for this candid conversation. I hope that it will help traders who are listening to this to gain some perspective and understand that. Trading is never ending story. It's not once done and that's it. It's every day putting effort, putting focus. And that's also what makes it so exciting.
1: Yes, I agree. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you are able to communicate with the people you work with and help them in their journey to, to develop. And you've made a lot of, points here so hopefully people will pick up on that
0: thank you so much for joining gary thank you so much for listening to the confidence in trading podcast if you enjoyed my show please rate and review it on apple podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you can come back for a real life conversation in the next episode until then this is agnieszka wood from a head coach and don't forget you too can realize your dream without losing yourself and your confidence in the process thank you so much for joining us today thank you